0: This is Mountain Talk Monday, and I'm your host Kelly Haywood. in this broadcast, we are discussing basic pet care and keeping your pet healthy on a budget. I'm really excited today to have a veterinarian in the studio with us. Could you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your practice?
1: Yes, ma'am. My name's Dustin Anderson. I actually practice in Pikeville new practice we opened in 2014, May. It's called Animal Wellness Center. It's in downtown Pikeville. I'm originally from eastern Kentucky. I was raised in Pike County, went to school in Auburn, and spent four years practicing in Hazard, and then opened my own clinic in Pikeville.
0: So where did you practice when you were in Hazard?
1: It's Town and Country Animal Clinic. Wonderful clinic.
0: What are some of the biggest issues that you see that are facing animal welfare in eastern Kentucky?
1: Probably one of the biggest ones is just a lack of general knowledge from people in eastern Kentucky. Most people I encounter want to do everything possible for their pets. They really try, they strive to provide excellent health care. Most people just do not realize what it takes to take care of their pets. For example, vaccinations. All dogs, all cats need to be vaccinated every single year. All pets need to see a veterinarian at least once a year. Flea and tick preventative. That's a monthly preventative. Every dog, every cat needs to be on heartworm and flea prevention every 30 days. Most people don't realize that. They think if they do it once a year, they're covered, and it's not. It's every 30 days. So it's Probably the biggest one is just a lack of knowledge of how to appropriately take care of their pets.
0: We always had pets growing up, and one of the things that my dad would always say is you don't need to take a cat to the vet, that's it. but you take your dog. Yes. And um, I don't know if it was just a lesser regard for cats or if it was just a combination of thinking that they do better on their own.
1: That is a big myth. I hear that every day. I see a lot of dogs, and owners will tell me, yeah, I also have a cat. But it never gets sick cats hide disease very well usually if a cat is showing you some sort of disease symptom coughing sneezing not eating that cat has been sick for weeks to months and they are just very good at covering it up cats are considered prey they're both predator and prey so prey species if you look most people watch history or animal planet and prey species are designed to cover up weakness because predators prey on weakness. All cats, regardless of age, regardless of their status, indoor, outdoor, they need to see a veterinarian at least once a year. Geriatric cats, some cats, I will see them six, 12 times a year depending on their health status.
0: So what age is a geriatric cat?
1: It kind of varies. I consider all cats senior pets at seven. There's no hard data to say, like in humans, for example, we kind of set the age limit. Senior citizens is 60 or 65. So adults and humans are considered 18. There's no set limit for pets. I consider all pets senior around seven. Geriatric. Again, that's a rough number. My personal opinion, I would consider a geriatric cat, 12, 13 years of age. And some cats can live to be 21, 22 years old and do just fine. But dogs, about the same principle. Now, large breed dogs, their life expectancy, example, a Great Dane, Rottweiler, those guys, nine is their life expectancy. So some people will consider those dogs seniors at five years of age, geriatric at seven years of age. It depends on where they live, if they're indoor or outdoor. Average life expectancy for an outdoor cat is a lot less than an indoor cat. So again, there's no hard set limit. It's just this is my personal opinion.
0: I can think of two responses to the issue of both cats being vetted and considering animals a senior. We had a Dalmatian for a long time and had him from a pup and he lived until he was 13 and you wouldn't have known anything was wrong with him at all until about six months before he passed away people couldn't tell that he was an elderly dog because he acted like a puppy but about six months before he passed on he acted like his back was bothering him and aside from that he had been very healthy
1: and that's the thing with dogs too they they're very good at covering up diseases for example arthritis the majority of older dogs have arthritis no different than older humans have arthritis some of them do not but i would say 95 percent have some form of arthritis owners never know that they still greet them at the door they're still wagging their tail they'll still jump and play the majority of those dogs are feeling some discomfort. I, I mean, some sort of pain, arthritis pain from it. Pets are very stoic. They can't complain like humans do. So again, I would, anytime a dog or cat is acting sick, they need to be seen immediately. But regardless, just for preventative care, no different than humans, you have to go see your doctor periodically. If a dog or a cat Their life expectancy, a lot of people go by the term of a dog age, one year in a dog is seven years in a human's age, and that's true. So if you take your dog to see a veterinarian once a year, that's no different than a human going every seven years. But you're right, Kelly. I mean, they they cover up a lot of pain. They really do.
0: Yeah, when I took, his name was Lars, and when we took him to the vet, uh, she told us to keep him from jumping. Mm-hmm. that he had strained his back because he couldn't jump like he used to and he shouldn't be trying. I didn't think about it because he didn't seem affected by it. You know, it was just as good as usual. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so keeping in mind, I think, where our pets come from and that they may not respond like we do to things. Another example about vetting a cat, and unfortunately I had to learn this the hard way, I found a cat. And took her in. She was a kitten and she lasted less than a year because she ended up having feline AIDS Mm -hmm. or um, feline HIV. Yes. uh, What the, I'm not sure which one it was. It presented like a cold when I finally noticed something was wrong with her and she was given antibiotics. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to give her the antibiotics, but she couldn't. Get it down. It was strangling her. She just ended up deteriorating and passing away. She passed away at the vet. I took her to a different vet and yeah. they finally figured out that that's what she had and told me that she wasn't there, yes. wasn't any help for her. So that I learned is a very serious disease.
1: Absolutely. And what we usually do, all kittens, cats, regardless, anytime I, someone brings a new kitten into my clinic, I recommend they consider testing them for leukemia and AIDS. Leukemia and AIDS is very common, especially in the southern states. Any cat coming from the shelter, uh, if they're sickly, leukemia is always on the top of the list. You have to rule out leukemia. And leukemia in cats is not the same as it is in humans. In humans, leukemia is considered a cancer. Cats, it is a virus that's spread from one cat to the other, Kittens can be born with it from their mothers. It's actually spread through secretions when cats are grooming each other, that's what cats do. If anyone at home has cats and they want to adopt a new kitten, do not take that kitten home until you have had a leukemia test done. Same with AIDS. AIDS, on the other hand, is spread through blood. Just like in humans, it takes blood to blood contact. It's usually your outdoor, intact male cats that have AIDS from fighting but there's one test, it's a simple test. It takes a few drops of blood. You can usually have results within 30, 45 minutes whether that cat has, is positive for leukemia or AIDS. It's not a death sentence. A lot of cats live long, healthy, happy lives with leukemia or AIDS. They can become sick from it. If I diagnose a cat that is sick with leukemia, average life expectancy is about three years they can harbor leukemia. You can have a normal indoor cat, has never been sick in its entire life. It will test positive for uh, AIDS or leukemia sometimes. So always get them screened. There's vaccines for leukemia. All kittens, less than a year of age. According to the AAFP, the American Association of Feline Practitioners, they say all those kittens need a leukemia vaccine. Adult cats, it becomes optional. It becomes a non-core vaccine. Adult cats can actually develop a resistance to the leukemia virus, and it's rare for an adult cat to acquire leukemia. It's usually, if they do acquire leukemia, it's usually as kittens. So again, you need to take them to a veterinarian. Let a veterinarian talk to you about that. Leukemia is easy to prevent if you take the appropriate steps. Stray cats, same principle. If you have stray cats hanging around your home and you plan on trying to take care of that cat, as soon as you can get that cat in a carrier, you need to have it checked. There's a lot of people in the community that actually house leukemia positive cats. They're all leukemia positive. They keep them all together. Some of them need extensive veterinary care and some of them don't. And AIDS, AIDS is kind. Of, it follows the same same protocol. There is a vaccine for AIDS, and veterinarians were using it. It's fell out of favor. We don't use it. No one recommends using the AIDS vaccine at this time. Mm-hmm. So yes, get them checked out for it.
0: Would you consider euthanizing an animal with leukemia or AIDS, or do you recommend letting them live out their life?
1: It depends on the condition, their health condition. It depends on the owner too. Like I said, some leukemia cats, they require a lot of health care, and some of them can be very expensive, depending on what's going on. Some of them require blood transfusions, and the life expectancy is three years. If someone brings me a leukemia-positive cat that they found, that they want to adopt, I give them the option. Euthanasia is an option. If they are realistically not going to keep that cat confined and they're gonna let that cat spread leukemia throughout the rest of the strays in the community, that's not a good thing. If they're willing to isolate the cat, keep it in their house, make sure it does not come in contact with other cats, leukemia-positive cats can live long, happy lives. They have to be willing to accept that that particular pet could become very sick at any time. Uh, his life expectancy may be drastically shortened from leukemia, but it is not a death sentence. A lot of cats live a long time with it.
0: I know from having dogs as well from puppies that the biggest concerns with those seem to be parvo and distemper.
1: Mm-hmm. Is,
0: is that the case? And I've also heard that parvo can live around your house if a dog has had parvo, even after the dog is gone, that okay. the parvo virus will be around your house. Yes.
1: So what I tell people is whether you've owned a dog or not, parvo is everywhere in eastern Kentucky you cannot get away from parvo. And you're right, parvo can live for years, years in the soil, on your porch. You can actually track parvovirus on the soles of your shoes, your car tires, you do not get away from parvovirus. Usually with vaccines for parvo, we start them out around eight weeks of age. Uh, they need booster, one vaccine is not sufficient. All pets need to have a series of vaccines. If you follow your veterinarian's recommendations and finish up the Parvo vaccine protocol, 99.9% protected against Parvo virus, okay? Distemper falls in the same category. Distemper, we don't see it as much as Parvo. Distemper is still here, it's still active, and the vaccine's 99.9% protected. Distemper is more, we call it an older dog disease, but puppies get distemper. I've seen it in a couple of puppies. Parvo usually strikes puppies before distemper has a chance to. But yes, Parvo lives for years, Kelly. You will not get rid of it. Most people will tell me, well, my dog's inside. I don't get it vaccinated because it's inside. You can pack Parvo into your house. My personal opinion is it is ludicrous to think a dog or a cat does not need vaccines. I don't care. where If they live in a high-rise in New York City, they need to be vaccinated because it's they're relatively safe. Nothing's 100% safe, but the vaccines are 99.9% protected. Get them vaccinated. Now, do dogs need to be vaccinated every single year? No, no. The vaccines are changing. The in the late 90s early 2000s they've determined that certain vaccines for example distemper and parvo once they have finished the initial series depending on the vaccine you can get them vaccinated every three years rabies is the same way if your pet is being vaccinated every single year for rabies i'm going to tell you to consider getting a second opinion the vaccines work they really work but Parvo and distemper, we see that a lot still, and you're right, it it can live for years. Clorox, a lot of people say, well, I cleaned it down with Clorox, I don't need vaccines. Clorox will kill Parvo, but it cannot get everywhere that Parvo is at. Parvo can live on trees, it can live in the grass, it can live on concrete, in wood, in carpet. It's not worth it. Majority of veterinarians charge, depending if it's one year versus three year, You know, $15, $20 for distemper parvo vaccine. If a dog gets parvo, you can save them. You can save 95 to 98% of dogs that develop the virus. It's expensive. It's very expensive. Some dogs need blood transfusions. A lot of antibiotics and a lot of fluids. I usually recommend that they're hospitalized. You know, you're spending five to seven days in a hospital on aggressive antibiotics. Versus a $15 vaccine, it's worth it. Very much worth it.
0: If you've ever dealt with a sick animal and tried to get them well, you realize how important preventative care is. Mm -hmm. Especially when you do make the effort to get that animal well. Well, One thing I want to ask, I've got another really pressing question, but one thing I want to ask the forest ranger around our house had warned us that the raccoons in the area had distemper and that it was affecting them a great deal. We had one come into our property and die. Um, It wandered around, you could tell it was blind, it would let you get close to it. The forest ranger said that was one with distemper. Can our dogs catch distemper from raccoons and do cats get distemper?
1: Was that, did you see that raccoon during the daytime? During
0: the daytime, yes. All right, well,
1: (laughs) I'm going to tell you I would be much more concerned with rabies than distemper. The number one carrier of rabies in Kentucky is actually skunks. Anytime you, anybody sees a skunk, a nocturnal animal, skunks, possums, raccoons, if you see one of those in the daytime you need to stay as far away from it as possible Uh, and yes you need to call the forestry that particular situation they should have sent that raccoon off to have it tested for rabies you should never see a raccoon in the middle of the day rabies is neurological signs we still have rabies people think oh rabies is no longer around it's still here there was, I'm wanting to say, right at 6,000 cases of rabies confirmed in the United States in 2013, I believe.
0: In humans or
1: animals? In animals, in animals. We still see it in humans. I'm not sure there's usually, you know, four or five cases a year of rabies in humans. Cats were seeing an increase in the number of rabies confirmed cases in cats in the United States. And it goes back to the myth that you stated cats don't need to see a veterinarian because they don't get sick yes if rabies is a lot higher on my list if you see something like that during the daytime kelly rabies the vaccines we talked about that they need to be vaccinated as puppies and kittens around 12 to 16 weeks of age they should get their first rabies And that vaccine in particular, you definitely need to be sure a veterinarian gives that vaccine. You can buy them. You can buy rabies vaccines over the internet. I do not support that. If something happens legally with that pet, there can be a big legal issue if a veterinarian did not give that rabies. It will not stand up in the court of law, okay? So there's a lot of friendly dogs. If they accidentally bite someone's child or lick someone's child in the face, that could turn into a big deal. Make sure you get your rabies vaccine from a veterinarian. Make sure a veterinarian gives that rabies. And then there is is three-year rabies. Those vaccines are 99.9% protective if they're handled appropriately, if they're given appropriately. When you go back to your initial question, distemper, distemper is usually spread through canines in particular. Cats have a form of distemper, but it is not related to the dog form of distemper. And coyotes, foxes, wolves, all those guys can spread distemper. They can spread parvo. Parvo virus, they see that a lot in coyotes. A lot of coyotes die from parvo. That's another reason that it's so dispersed throughout Eastern Kentucky.
0: You're listening to Mountain Talk Monday on WMMT, and I'm here with Dr. Dustin Anderson from the Animal Wellness Center in downtown Pikeville. And we're talking general pet care and some of the issues that are facing pet owners in eastern Kentucky today. And one of the biggest ones that I know that I've dealt with personally and that most of the pet owners around this area and other areas, it's not just here, that I talk to deal with income and budgets. What does veterinary care look like on a budget? And should someone who is considered low income keep a pet? I know here in Letcher County, we have about a 30% poverty rate. And just about everybody I know has some form of pet, whether it's an outdoor one that runs about or an indoor pet. And we do our best to take care of them, and knowing that there are so many animals without homes, should they be in any home willing to give them a space?
1: So veterinary care is it, it is following human medicine. We use a lot of the same human products uh, on pets, and veterinary care, depending, can get quite expensive. Not to say everyone doesn't deserve to own a pet. All pets deserve a good home when you're looking for budget care i absolutely recommend anyone with a pet consider pet health insurance there's wonderful companies anybody can apply for it majority of veterinarians can accept it we accept embrace pet insurance that's a really good company veterinary pet insurance it goes by the initials vpi and then Pets Best, those are three good companies. I know about those companies, not to say they're the only three, there's probably just as more great companies out there, but I know those three. You can get a basic wellness plan to help cover your vaccines, to help cover your flea and heartworm prevention for around 30 bucks a month. It's not 100% coverage, it depends. If you want them to cover 80%, you have to pay a little bit more of a premium every month. If you only want 60% coverage, you pay less. Those plans are, they're, they're decent plans. Average health care for a pet, bare minimum for a dog. Bare minimum for a dog as far as just their vaccines, you're looking around 50 bucks a month. I'm sorry, a year. $50 per year for their vaccines. Cats. It depends on how much they want to do. If they want the leukemia vaccine, cat vaccines are a little more expensive. But again, you can maintain for the core vaccines for around $50 a year. The monthly preventatives, you really need to consider. All dogs, all cats need heartworm preventative. It's not cheap. It's not. Pets are not cheap. I see that a lot. People in school come in and they're on a strict income. They're, they're, trying to pay their bills and then they want to adopt a pet and if that pet develops a chronic disease it can become quite expensive on them and depending on how far they want to go for example I've had a dog that needed a heart surgery sent to the University of Tennessee they estimated that surgery between 5000 and $5,500 it can get expensive it to do it 100% right. Most people can't afford that, I understand that. You can keep pets on a reasonable budget, but do not, do not think that pets are free and they don't get sick. They do get sick, it can become expensive. I see a lot of coal miners come in, or are telling me, no I lost my job, I can't afford to do it all. Can we do the, the most important Uh, And I'm like, yeah, we can help this pet. We can do something for your pet. And we can work out a plan with them. With the understanding that it's not everything the pet needs, but we're going to protect it against rabies. We're going to protect it against distemper and parvo. Again, just talk to your veterinarian. If you can't afford it all, that's understandable. They can work out something to keep that pet comfortable. And when it gets to the point, a veterinarian will tell you What you're doing is not going to help this pet. And if it gets to that point, euthanasia is an option. Pets do not fear death like humans do. And there is nothing wrong with euthanizing pets that are going to be in chronic pain, chronic misery uh, that people can't afford to take care of. I would much rather see a pet live a short, happy life than a long, miserable life.
0: I can definitely see that too. Another question I see a lot of people really going all out on pet food, buying the top dollar food. If you're buying top dollar food and in turn not spending as much on vet care, are you doing your pet a service or a disservice? Should you skimp on the food in order to afford more vet care? How should that even out?
1: I am a believer that food is medicine. I really believe that. What I usually tell my new puppy owners, new kitten owners, absolutely buy the most expensive food that you can afford and you will see benefits from it. Now when you get into all these fads, the gluten free, corn free, grain free, don't fall into that trap. Yes, pets develop allergies, they do. That's a big problem that I see every year and a lot of people say, oh they're allergic to corn, it's corn, corn allergy. Very few pets truly have a grain allergy. I am unaware of any pet having a true gluten allergy. I'm sure there's out there. I'm absolutely sure I have never seen one. I've been practicing six years. I have never diagnosed or seen a pet that someone, another veterinarian has diagnosed with a gluten allergy. But by the most expensive. I, I am a believer in the premium diets. There's a lot of them. My personal favorite is Royal Canin. I think Royal Canin is a wonderful diet. Other options, Hill Science Diet, they make wonderful foods. Purina, Basic Purina, their premium diets are wonderful. If I have to choose one of those three, I'm gonna pick Royal Canin, but I give owners the option of one of those three. Not to say that they're the only diets, and that's the only diet they should eat. There's a lot of pet foods out there that make wonderful products. Those three I have researched. Those three I trust. If you decide to go with some kind of other brand, call the company, research it yourself, find out. Do they buy the ingredients? Are they taking care of packaging? That's actually what got Purina in trouble a while back. I'm sorry, it was uh, Blue Buffalo. They had a big recall on some of their foods. And what Blue Buffalo did, they were advertising corn-free, chicken-free food. Purina sent some of that food off, had it analyzed, and found that yeah, it was had corn and chicken in it. So Purina filed a lawsuit. This is the second time it's happened to Blue Buffalo. Purina filed a lawsuit. They won that lawsuit. Blue Buffalo actually came out and said, yes, Purina's right. Our food does have that in there, even though we were advertising that it didn't. And what happened, Blue Buffalo does not own its its own processing plants, its own packaging plants. So they actually said, you know, they sent it to a dog food manufacturer, said we want you to make this product for us with these ingredients, put it in our packaging, and we're going to sell it under our name. Well, that company did not clean the plant appropriately, and it contaminated Blue Buffalo's foods, okay? So... Make sure you research it. Royal Canaan, one of the big reasons I like Royal Canaan, they buy their own ingredients, they process it in their own plants, they package it in their own plants, and they ship it. They control every aspect of their production line. That's a big reason I trust them. But as far as spending money on them, buy the most expensive one. As far as like, I see a lot of people buying Oroy. I personally am not a fan of Oroy. Okay, will it keep your dog alive? Yes, it will. Purina dog chow, that's a wonderful dog food. There's nothing wrong with Purina dog chow. It's not a premium diet. It is going to keep your pet alive. Is Purina dog chow going to make dogs sick? No, it's not. But it's no different than humans. I would rather eat filet mignon than hamburger meat. And that's what you're looking at for dog foods. Royal Canin... Purina's Premium Lines, they actually select high-grade proteins. When you get into maybe O'Roy, some of the lower brands, they're more in it for let's make it as cheap as possible. I actually had a professor when I was in school. He was a lot older, and he said when Alpo first came on the market, the wet Alpo brands, He actually kept a jar of formalin on top of one of his bookshelves. And people would bring in pieces of animals out of those Alpo cans. The actual organ. He said he had eyeballs. He had hoofs intact inside of those Alpo cans. So again, you get what you pay for. If you can afford a premium diet, spend that extra money and do it. It's absolutely worth it.
0: In just a few moments, we will come back to the conversation with Dr. Anderson. But I wanted to take just a few minutes to talk about pet adoption. Anytime you're considering a dog or a cat for a pet, you should visit your local animal shelter. Another local opportunity for pet adoption is the Appalachian SPCA. The Appalachian SPCA, based in Pikeville, Kentucky... But working regionally, hopes to address the problem of pet overpopulation in our area by working closely with the Pike County Animal Shelter and our local Petco. They host monthly spay and neuter clinics and regular adoption events. They have already saved hundreds of shelter animals and they've helped reduce the number of homeless pets in our region. The Appalachian SPCA in no way approves of the use of euthanasia as a method for dealing with overpopulation. By implementing an aggressive spay-neuter program and promoting adoptions, they hope to greatly reduce the number of animals euthanized in our shelters and aim to prevent even more unwanted animals from ending up there in the first place. If you would like to donate to help their cause, please visit their website at www.appalachianspca.org or look up the Appalachian SPCA on Facebook to ask how you could help. I know the Dalmatian that I was talking about that we had earlier, Lars, he had allergies. And it took us forever to figure out why we came to the conclusion with the help of our vet that it was because he was getting table food.
1: Yes. It
0: wasn't his dog food. That was causing his allergies. It was the table food that we would give him that he would beg for or steal from us. Yes. Uh, That was causing his condition.
1: So when you look at allergies, a lot of people, for some reason, people want to blame food allergies first. The number one allergy in the United States for dogs and cats across the board is flea bite.
0: Fleas, yes. Flea
1: bite. That is the easiest to prevent monthly flea prevention. 90% of the allergy dogs I see are flea bite. The second biggest cause is food allergies. When you look at food allergies, it's not to say that they're allergic to imes and they're not allergic to Royal Canin. That's not how it works. It's no different than humans. You have to look at the ingredients. The big ingredients, corn, beef, wheat, chicken, and dairy. That's the five most common. It's like in humans, we're mostly allergic to peanuts and shellfish. Some dogs and cats, they may be allergic to soy. They may be allergic to fish, but those are the five most common. So when you think about human food, our mainstays are corn, beef, and chicken. That's three of the big ones that dogs and cats most likely become allergic to. No pet should be eating human food no pet should be eating human food i can't stress that enough to people another big reason i see pets sick pets is because of bad diets too many treats i usually tell my owners stay out of the treat aisle your pet does not need treats you need to give your dog treats they don't need them so it's just there's no point in it if you're going to give your pet Human food, And I don't even recommend this, but if you're going to do it, stick to the vegetables, unprocessed, no seasoned vegetables, carrots, carrots are wonderful, broccoli, cauliflower, be cautious, some, some human foods are highly toxic to pets, grapes, grapes can cause kidney failure, raisins can cause kidney failure, xylitol, xylitol is coming up in a lot of human foods. That's the artificial sweetener, it's in a lot of your diabetic foods. And Xylitol can, one piece of bubble gum with Xylitol can put a dog in liver failure. There's no reason to chance that. It's actually they're starting to put Xylitol into peanut butter. I hear all that a lot, well I give my pet peanut butter as a treat or he takes his medicine with peanut butter. Peanut butter, if it has xylitol, can end up killing your pet. So stay away from it. We have, there is stuff on the markets for getting pets to take their medicine. Go with that. It's safer. But allergies, I see that a lot. Don't assume it's a food allergy. Talk to your veterinarian. If they're not on flea prevention, start with that. That's the number one cause of allergies. And flea prevention, you can buy it relatively cheap. I do not recommend Sargent's and Hearts from Walmart. So if you, you can actually take a Sargent's or Hearts product, and some cats are highly allergic to it. You can kill a cat with flea prevention. Uh, I see one to two cases a year come in. Cat has a history, they either flea dipped it, put it in flea dip, I do not recommend that. Flea and tick shampoo or the the topical stuff you can kill a cat with it it can put some cats into full-blown seizures uh, and some little dogs like chihuahuas little yorkies i'll get an emergency call every now and then the dog is having convulsive seizures because of flea prevention but start with that start with that and if that doesn't work then we'll talk more about food allergies the other big one that i see is atopy environmental allergens humans Are the same way, hay allergies, oak allergies, that one's really common. But yeah, flea, food, and atopy is your three biggest causes of allergies in pets.
0: I have a couple of what I would consider important questions for people who are considering pets, but I want to ask one first because of my personal experience with a full-breed dog. Lars, again, was a Dalmatian full-bred And it was one of those things we thought we wanted a Dalmatian and paid $99 for him. In his 13 years, he probably cost us a good $30,000, if not more, in health care and food. And while we were taking care of him, I had vets and other things in reading about taking care of him say that most full-bred dogs are going to require more health care because of the breeding, than a mutt or a shelter dog would require. Is that the case, and should we not be looking at bred dogs anymore?
1: I 100% agree with that. Uh, I am not a supporter of buying dogs. It comes back to their genes. They actually see this, they've proven this in the livestock industry. Inbreeding, you have to inbreed dogs to get certain genetics and that's where breeds come from people will select for certain genes and then they will breed for that gene they do not select for health care status they don't care that the dog also you're also breeding heart problems into that dog heart disease is very common it is proven to be genetic and it's proven to be more common in certain breeds But you're right, a purebred dog tends to have more issues health-wise compared to a mixed breed dog. If you take a dog that has four or five different breeds in it, it has less chances of developing certain health issues that are common to the one breed. Bulldogs are common to have respiratory problems little Yorkies, little Chihuahuas, they're known for having liver problems. Big giant breed dogs are known for having joint problems. If you breed them all together, you can separate the bad characteristics and you're more likely going to get a more healthier dog. The one at the pound, the the poor little ugly dog that nobody likes, that's probably the healthiest dog in the pound. So I'm not a fan of buying. I do recommend everyone consider adopting a mixed breed dog, especially if you want to lower your veterinary bills. You will have a healthier dog in the long run if it's a mixed breed.
0: One of the things in Letcher County in particular, and I know it's true in a lot of the surrounding counties too, is we actually have pretty limited access to veterinary care. I know we have in Letcher County one outpost, in Jeremiah, but they're not there all the time, and they don't have the ability to spay or neuter dogs. They just do cats. I know when you go to Pikeville or Pike County, that's different. There are several options for vet care. In Perry County, there's at least two that I know of, but getting there for people in Letcher County is often a struggle, and then adding cost to that as well. So why do you think vet... Care is so limited in the mountains and spread out. And also, I want to touch on the importance of spaying and neutering pets and how we can access that with such limited vet options.
1: All dogs, all cats need to be spayed and neutered, point blank. Some pets, and it is rare. I see it. Occasionally, I'll get people come in and say, you know, this dog has this disease and they told me not to have it spayed or neutered. That is rare, that is very rare to see a pet that cannot tolerate a spay or neuter. As far as why it's limited in Eastern Kentucky, it comes back to economics, it's just like everything else. Veterinarians, we have bills just like anybody else. And if People can't afford to have them spayed and neutered. If you, if you tell me I can't afford to have my pet spayed or neutered, I'm going to tell you to reconsider adopting a pet. That is basic health care, no different than a rabies vaccine. If you cannot afford to have a dog or cat vaccinated, you do not need to adopt a dog or a cat. It's no different than a horse. If you can't afford to feed a horse, you're not going to go out and adopt a horse. Same thing with pets. As far as Dr. Combs is at the outpost, Dr. Mm -hmm. Combs is doing a community service and she's doing the best that she can. But realistically, it may not be economically sound for her to buy the equipment to spay and neuter dogs and cats if people in Letcher County don't want to support that. It's like me, I want to buy dental x-rays for my practice. You know, that's a $40,000 investment. If I can't get people to understand the importance of dental radiographs, I can't make my money back on it, and it's very important. Dental disease is a big problem in pets. But yes, they all need to be spayed and neutered, and if you can't afford it, there's nothing wrong with that. Don't adopt them point blank just don't don't go there because they need basic preventative care just like a child does and I understand some people say well you know this dog just wandered up and I'm trying to help it that's fine that's fine there's nothing wrong with that but do not willingly go out adopt a pet knowing that you cannot afford it research it call and talk to your veterinarian find out what the prices are you need to be prepared like i said to spend at least minimum 50 dollars a year in vaccines dog food is not cheap and if they're sick if they are sick you need to be prepared to spend like you said 30,000 dollars for a sick dog over 13 years kelly that's for a sick dog that's cheap one surgery one surgery uh, for example pelvic surgery if a dog gets ran over and needs its pelvis worked on You're not going to find that in eastern Kentucky. I usually refer people to Louisville. Had that happen to a bulldog owner, backed over it, pulling out of the driveway, backed over broke her hip. That surgery, I think she said, was about $4,500 to get that dog fixed. And pet insurance will help you pay for that stuff. If you're going to adopt them and you're on a limited income, look in the pet insurance. They'll pay 60 80% of that back to you. But yeah, if you cannot spay and neuter, if you can't afford that one, I'm going to tell you, do not consider adopting.
0: One of the things when I was looking into spaying my cats, I called several different veterinarians because I didn't have a regular one at the time. And I like having a regular vet, the same one, sees my pet to establish a relationship so that they know my pet. But I called around just to see about prices, and one of the vets I called, the spay was going to be at least $300, and that was the lowest. I called another place, and it was going to be at most $150. So what's the difference there in pricing? Is it just because one is saying, I'm going to cut this much off just because I know pets need spay and neuter or is it because the other's inflating process
1: so when it comes to veterinary medicine we have standards we all have standards human medicine it's one standard that's it if you go under anesthesia for human uh, humans put under anesthesia they're going to do blood work They're going to put you on IVs. They're going to make sure you get pain medicine. There is a standard of care. In human medicine, if that standard is not met, then there's potential for lawsuits there. Veterinary medicine, we have very basic standards. For example, it's unethical for a veterinarian to not recommend a rabies vaccine. That's a cross-the-board standard. When it comes to your non-core vaccines like Bordetella and Lepto, you know, we don't have to recommend those. It comes to quality of care is what you're paying for. Some veterinarians will give owners the option to say, would you want your pet to have blood work before their surgery? Some veterinarians give owners the option if they want them to have an IV catheter and fluids during their surgery. Some clinics, and I'm one of them, if I'm putting a pet under anesthesia, I don't give you the option. I'm gonna tell you this is what I have to do for the safety of your pet. That's where the prices come in. Some veterinarians, they, they'll do the bare minimum for that surgery. I don't do that, I don't. When you're paying and laser, laser's another option. Some people use lasers to do surgery. It's not required, we don't have to do that. That veterinarian is choosing to practice a higher quality medicine. The owner has to pay for that. If you're calling to compare prices, don't compare just spay and neuter. You need to find out what is included in that spay and neuter. My spays and neuters, when I do them, they have to have blood work. They have to have pain medicine. I actually give them pain medicine before, during, and after the surgery. Again, some veterinarians give you the option to decline it, I don't. So when you're calling to find out, compare apples to apples. We consider it routine surgery. Everybody thinks, oh, it's just a spay, it's just a neuter. It's not, it's not. It is abdominal surgery, okay? It is a life-threatening surgery anesthesia is not safe if you ask a human ask ask a woman that has had a hysterectomy is it painful it's no different than what we do to a dog or cat it is a full hysterectomy it's painful goes back to what we started talking about to begin with pets cover up pain substantially they will not tell you they're painful so again Don't just call and say, what does it cost to get my dog spayed or neutered? Find out exactly what that veterinarian is doing for that price. Does that make sense?
0: Yes, definitely. And to see if you're willing to compromise in the same places that they are Exactly. uh, in order to get that service. Dr. Dustin Anderson and staff provide preventative health care, hospitalization, Diagnostics with an in house laboratory, surgery, radiology, dental care, DNA preservation, microchipping, and pet supplies. They see both our furry friends, including small mammals and rodents, as well as our exotic scaly and feathered friends. Dr. Anderson is located in Pikeville on Hambly Boulevard. The Animal Wellness Center can be reached at 606. Two six two four five five three. They are closed on Thursdays and Sundays. For more information, visit their website www.animalwellnesscenterky.com. And that's it for this edition of Mountain Talk Monday. I've been your host, Kelly Haywood. I would like to give a special thanks to Dr. Anderson and the Animal Wellness Center. As always, from all of us here at WMMT, thanks for listening to Real Stories, Real News, Real People Radio.